We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you an important news announcement. The following podcast contains adult humor and language and may not be suitable for all audiences, particularly audiences comprised of God mouth We'll keep you updated on any further developments, and we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Like fire across the galaxy, the Clone War spread. Upon the Jedi Knights falls the duty to lead the newly formed army of the Republic. Star Wars, Clone Wars, the five-minute chapters begin Friday, November 7th at 8, only on Cartoon Network. Travelers and Voyagers, welcome aboard the Katana Cast, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to celebrating and exploring the saga from our certain points of view. I'm your pilot, Era, and with me, as always, uh, is my co-pilot, Ben. Hello, everyone. And uh, unfortunately, our co-pilot, Maria, is unavailable, so we have a special guest with us. She's Jedi Geek Girl. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me. From Ira Bell. Yeah, so, um, well, we have a very, very special episode tonight. I'm, I'm, I know I'm super excited, um, but let's, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first, you know, kind of, I guess, what got you originally into Star Wars? Well, I first discovered Star Wars when I was a little child. As you do, you go through your pants stuff, and I had some extra time, and I was going through a bunch of VHSs, and I stumbled across this box set named Star Wars. So I took it up to my room, and I watched it, and I watched it, and I watched it again, and I've been hooked ever (laughs) since. I am a prequel baby. I grew up with the prequels, obviously. Uh, and I lapsed a little bit with my fandom, but I came back with the sequel trilogy, and now I'm obsessed with everything. I've been keeping up with everything in canon, and I'm reading Legends while trying to keep up with canon, and of course, I have my own podcast as well. Awesome. And uh, for our listeners, tonight's episode, or tonight's voyage is brought to you by one Gendi Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, which um, actually you had, you know, you requested that you be on uh, when we discussed this series. Uh, What's what was your initial experience with um, Star Wars Clone Wars? For me, this series was such an important part of my youth because we had the movies. And we had the video games, and for those of people who read the books, at the time I didn't read the books, there was really nothing else. People modern day don't realize how lucky they have it. 
because there, there, there was two separate eras where this was the case. You had the original trilogy who had the movies, and then you had the Ewoks and droids. They had that, and then those two series weren't really readily available for people who were growing up in the early arts. You had the Ewok uh, films that didn't come out at that point in time. So when this broke, it was more Star Wars. And not only was it more Star Wars, but it was new Star Wars. It was Star Wars in a new era. It was Star Wars exploring a long-awaited series to time period to be explored, which was originally the Clone Wars. And for me, this was a really important part of my youth because... You know, you want to start, you want more Star Wars, and you really enjoyed the movies, but that was really all there was. I mean, again, you had the Ewoks movies or whatever, but they weren't really Star, you know, the mainline Star Wars story. And uh, like I said, the Ewoks and droids weren't readily available, so it was like this big important thing for people of my age. So it's always it has that piece of my youth that was uh, really important to me, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Awesome. Uh, how about you, Ben? What was your uh, initial experience with this? So when this initially released, I, I guess that would have been 2003. I was 13, 14 during that time. So I was definitely in my kind of edgy stage of life. So this <laughs> this was not something that was geared towards me at that time. So I didn't see it until years down the line. Uh, I, I don't even remember when I saw it the first time. I'm sure I saw it. And some ripped version on YouTube years and years later. I love Gendy Tartakovsky. I've always loved his art style and his animation direction. Uh, so looking over this, it's beautiful to look at. I definitely don't have like as much nostalgia as maybe uh, either of you will have with it. Just because I didn't see it when I was younger. So it was more of this kind of weird thing that I knew existed. And I just never really looked into until I finally just sat down and decided to uh, do it all in one sitting. Yeah. And there's there's definitely some stuff that I really love in it that we'll get to talk about tonight. There's some stuff that's like, it sure is a, a sign of the times in both a charming and a confusing way, but we'll get to that as well. I remember the first time uh, seeing it all edited together uh, online, and it, it just not only made more sense to me, but it also helped just... Um, I don't know. It just made it more like it, it, uh, just more acceptable. Like it was easier to follow along. Yeah, it's a little, it's a more cohesive experience than I can imagine watching three minute bumpers would have been. Yeah, which uh, I feel like, you know, so Gendy Tartakovsky, he he was coming from Samurai Jack and kind of doing this uh, after. Um, and also concurrently. So I feel like um, the Samurai Jack also did like three minute to five minute kind of uh, eclipse rather Um, was more like that story and cartoon seems more suited for that kind of style of uh, narration versus anything Star Wars related. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you mentioned it uh, several moments ago, but when this came out, I was like, you know, like around 10, give or take. And um, yeah, this was like, this was just so cool because I remember um, hearing about how this would like help close the gap between episodes two and three. And 
even as a kid, I had heard of like Shadows of the Empire and mm-hmm. kind of the gap between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So, you know, it was cool. In my mind, I was like, oh, this is like, in a way, like my version of that. And uh, it was just like, you know, Cartoon Network. Uh, and I, I, I don't really, re- I think it was like, you know, Fridays or sometime during the week at whatever time and always you know with my chair up against the screen and like (laughs) just wide-eyed and I love I'm a huge fan of this so so part one uh deals with uh we 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 were kind of pretty much brought right into it the the Clone Wars um we've got um you know Anakin Anakin, edgy Anakin, uh, doing his renegade Padawan learner thing. Uh, we've got Obi-Wan first time, and it was so cool seeing him in his Clone War gear uh, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, we saw famously Yoda on some kind of Tauntaun-esque animal. <laughs> Characterization. Let's Let's first talk about Anakin, since he was the first one I mentioned, what are our th- uh, initial or not initial? What are our thoughts about the characterization of pre Jedi Knight Anakin in Part One? He is definitely like his Attack of the Clones persona. That's for sure, and that's one of the reasons yes. why I like this portrayal of Anakin because when we jump into the Clone Wars, it is at least like six, six months into the Clone Wars and. Anakin has evolved. What this one is, it's a natural progression, and it's a lot more. It, it's mm-hmm. easier for me to connect because it's the same character. Where when I first saw the Clone Wars, there was a little bit of a disconnect because he was late on. So yeah, but, I agree. But on the same token, it is the same characterization. But for those who don't like that characterization, like him being whiny, him being, you know, a teenager, you have that aspect and that might rub some people the wrong way. Yeah, totally, for sure. Uh, ben, your thoughts? Oh, I I think to build on what she just said, honestly, that that uh, very specific voice acting choice by Matt Lucas, who is providing Anakin's voice acting for the uh, Tartakovsky Clone Wars before Matt Lanter took over. Um, he's very keyed in to Hayden Christensen's <laughs> like w- more nasal delivery from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Uh, in a way that it's now, of choice. course, looking back on it, it's it's a, it's a choice. choice and it's actually kind of charming. It's it is, so yeah. it's such a weird, silly choice that, of course, you should get in a cartoon. Because one of my favorite things about this series is that it doesn't take itself overly seriously. Like it no. is definitely playing kind of fast and loose with it being geared at. Uh, I mean, the target demographic was probably like eight to 12 year old boys when they're sitting in a room and pitching it. It definitely has a lot of those those kind of classic hallmarks with the the level of action and kind of the scale of action. But as far as just individual characterizations, they're allowed to be a little goofier, a little more heightened. And I think Matt Lucas is the, the perfect epitome of that style of voice acting. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right. So um, we are introduced in part one to a character who uh, to this day remains one of my favorites 
and one of the more nuanced as well. And that is one Asajj Ventress. Yes. Right? And her entrance, too, is completely badass. Because, <laughs> like, I just love how well um, Ventress and Dooku play off of each other in that introductory scene. Mm-hmm. Where we're led to believe, like, this guy is this alien guy who's conducting this like battle-esque fight to the death scene and um and just like that then dooku's like yeah you know you almost had me and then you're just like, oh shit like re-watching this um uh i i guess this was a couple weeks ago i completely forgot so when he said that like my Mine was totally, but I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, this is Asajj Ventress," um, and uh, it's just so cool. She, I love that they decided to bring her over into the Clone Wars, but um, definitely great to see like just her initial badassery, and you know, one of my favorite aspects of like it's so small and kind of so uh just kind of there that uh one of my favorite pieces of the series like or one one of my favorite moments is just like the uh, it's a moment between Asajj and Anakin and they're staring at each other uh on I'm pretty like 99% sure it's Yavin 4 um and uh it's raining it starts to rain they have their lightsabers out but then all of a sudden you it's like just the raindrops and the little like buzzing on the lights. Like that's just so it's such a like non moment moment to me. And it's just so cool. Like I loved how they kind of focused on that like reality of it. But but um God, I, I don't even know almost where to be like, you know, the first <laughs> couple episodes the first couple episodes we just see like and this was cool because uh, with the video game uh, Star Wars Republic Commando, uh, it was cool to see the clone troopers really being like the commandos in that game. Like, I loved that kind of interplay between each other. It was super cool to, to see. Uh, get more into the, like, the soldiery aspect of it. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? So, when it comes to Asajj Ventress, I love Asajj Ventress. I mean, who doesn't? But when it comes to her character in the show, she serves a pretty simple purpose. And it wasn't until The Clone Wars where she got fleshed out. And even in Legends, she got a bit fleshed out. But even then, that is still quite an impression to make. And that is still the canon appearance of her linking up with Dooku, which was confirmed in Dooku Lost. So that's nice that they kept that because it is such a... Like, how else are you going to impress a Sith except take on a bunch of people in an arena and stand up to a Sith straight out? And I really like this portrayal. Like, I love Dooku, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like I like this portrayal of him more. And this series... Clone Wars, it seems like the characters, all the characters really are betrayed are betrayed a little bit more serious than other incarnations. 
Like General Grievous is a lot more, we'll get to him later, he's a lot more serious of a character. Yeah. Fentress is pretty serious, Dooku is pretty serious. Like, even Dooku in The Clone Wars, you know, he's still a villain or whatever, but he isn't as uh, distinguished and refined and serious as he is in Clone Wars. So, yeah, I just I just love uh, Asajj Fentress and the fight that she has with Anakin on Yavin 4. I do believe you are correct in that. I'm like 99.98% confirmed. Why 98? Because uh, it's more than me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, and a lot of fans consider to this day the best lightsaber fight, uh, which it shows its longevity and its impactfulness that it had on the fandom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We definitely want to cry, oh, to cry out, call out Gray Delisle who uh, is a, a extraordinarily, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even use the word popular. She's in everything. Uh, if if you've not, if you don't know your voice actors, Great Lyle yeah. has been in everything that you've seen in the last 20 years. She is our first voice actress who portrays Ventress in the, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars. She's fantastic. She's doing full gravelly gray delisle voice uh obviously she's replaced by the time we get to the clone wars but i really really love the portrayal of her in this series the art style is gorgeous that's something i'm sure we will yeah. mention time and time again i love gendy's art style that he brings to like traditional animated shows it's also so nice to see something that doesn't look like it was animated in flash like right. it were just we were spoiled in hand-drawn animation and just didn't quite understand it at the time like this series is really, really beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I want to point out something that Era said a little bit earlier, just mentioning like raindrops and stuff. Uh, the sound design in this show, when it decides to take these little moments and these vignettes where the sound or the score gets completely cut out and it just focuses on ambient noises. There's a couple times there's uh, I know when Anakin and Obi-Wan are kind of huddled up in a trench for just a, a quick, maybe a minute and a half vignette and i don't remember if it was in like are they eating the bugs yes i fucking love that scene the sound design in that is just so good and maybe it's because (laughs) i stayed up way too late and i was also watching with headphones so i didn't wake up my husband i'm like oh yeah this is really fun i love it when animated series just enjoy the mood of a scene and just kind of sit in that that's such a great pace as this is it's so great and then just like the, the sound design of raindrops hitting lightsabers during yeah. the Anakin Asajj. Oh, it's so good. This is such talented always, sound design on the show. You're always saying to feed off the living force. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. I would like to Go expand ahead. upon that scene that you brought up with the raindrop. Is One of the things I love about this series is the anime-ish type moments where it pauses. Mm-hmm. And it is a moment like when Asajj Ventress and Anakin are fighting. They have a uh, they have a situation where Ventress knocks Anakin down to the ground, and they just stare mm-hmm. at each other. And that's when it comes down to rain, and it hits the lightsaber, and it cuts back and forth, and it's just like a pause. And that you know that's an anime, or I, I believe it's an mm-hmm. anime trope, but I know it from anime, and that's one of the things that this series does over and over again, and it's very orgasmic to me because I, I just really love that moment where it's <laughs> oh, a pause yeah. to gather yourself and have those little like background noises or the rain and stuff like that so yeah I uh, yes uh very i mean this series to me is completely orgasmic just being honest <laughs> um especially when it comes to all right so we're kind of 
I skipping around a little bit, but uh, China. That's fine. It's the only way we're going to get through it because yeah. I yeah. couldn't tell you what, like, what order any of these vignettes happen in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, some highlights of uh, the literal orgasmic bits of of this, uh, <laughs> the whole um, Kit Fisto short, like one of my all time favorite moments in any like star wars anything i loved that initial like the first um battle of Moncala um sequence and then of course we can't talk about orgasmic without getting to the very very uh they made some choices when they decided <laughs> to animate padme Right, they, uh, like they sure did. I thought you were going to talk about three PO revealing his gold plating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, as so, yeah. So those, so those two, the first, the two moments, uh, the first moment of seeing Kid Fisto, and then of course seeing uh, Padme, like definitely helped uh, shape my sexuality as a 10 year old <laughs> hands down i have to, uh go ahead yeah, yeah i have to say you brought up kit fisto and when we were getting ready to record i would like there were tons of moments watching the show where i was like i wonder what maria's notes are going to say about this what they are going to say about this <laughs> you know so <laughs> oh yeah yeah, you know, I mean, oh, the fucking abs, his swimming, his... Uh, oh, speaking of, like, art, and again, these small moments. Um, well, going back to the moments, like, it's amazing how even, I, like, in a three to five minute, like, the, these episodes, three to five minutes long, gorgeous as hell. Um, the voice casting, spectacular, even you know, uh, five years before the Clone Wars. Um, and, and again, just like the pacing, it's allowing there to, uh, the pacing's allowing everyone involved to breathe during those small moments. But during Kit Fisto's, um, this Moncala attack, the lightsaber and the reflections of the water going back and forth mm -hmm. as he's like, fucking genius like yeah, there's definitely some people having a lot of fun with trying to yeah animate things that we hadn't really seen in star wars before we hadn't really seen a lightsaber in the rain we hadn't seen one under water we didn't know if that would really work because depending on your star wars media either they did work underwater or it's somehow like shorted lightsabers out so i think they had lots of fun with trying to animate that and it's just really really striking yeah now were you about to say something? You mentioned that the f this show was the first time you saw a lightsaber in the rain and underwater. This show is full of first. I was watching it and there was something else that yes. escapes my mind or whatever. But this show was the first time you saw a lot of things. Uh, not only yeah. 
stuff as lightsabers in the rain and underwater, but, you know, first appearances of characters or whatever. Like, if anybody hasn't watched this before and they go back and watch it, you know, you'll see a lot of things that you have already seen by now and things that you did not know before that were originally new in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, if if you're looking at it and you don't realize this is the first time that anyone saw General Grievous yes. in anything Star Wars related other than just maybe promotional art or a, I'm not positive if his appearance in this series happened before like the first trailer reveal of the character's design back at Celebration, but I it is very close to that. Yeah, the timeline with his introduction both to the world but then also through the show, uh, murky a little bit. He's definitely based on like the very early concepts of General oh, yeah. Grievous. That if you've not seen that art, where it's just kind of the bone white Grievous with the white cape, is like in a lot of earlier design art that I think they moved away a little bit from as they were going into production. And you can even see the animation shift slightly in the way that his eyes, for example, start off a little more cat-like. And then as those last couple episodes come to a close, you see that they start to put the little organic bits around his eyes, which it seems like even during animation, they were updating the character model. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just to touch back on something um, that was mentioned earlier in terms of the, you know, that the animated series, Star Wars animated series in general with Ewoks and droids, um speaking of c3po showing his gold bits uh (laughs) very well uh very beautiful gold bits c3po has very shiny but his um not only his design um but like his animation style and everything is literally and r2's as well gotta bring in r2 uh directly inspired and influenced and pretty much carried over from uh droids mm-hmm. yeah down to the like animated uh, pupils and everything that you would have <laughs> had in the nelvana animation it's great oh fucking fantastic one of the things about the clone was the clone was series micro series that really stands out to me is i look at it the same way as i do the force unleash it is a very fun mm-hmm. experience it's not supposed to be taken too serious you can fit the story in canon however if you apply yes. it to the rules of canon it doesn't really fit but that's not the point of it the point of it is to have right. fun and enjoy it so going back and watch it you got to turn off that or at least i do you have to turn off that part of your brain and just just enjoy it and stuff and people love the force unleash and people love this you know people love orgasmic extra you know so oh yeah and i think that's going to be the word of this episode orgasmic i agree um orgasmic is the word of the day folks heard it here first uh insert peewee herman clip (laughs) (laughs) we can't talk about sort of the beginning ish uh without talking about one of the most cool but also confusing and like genuinely what the fuck kind of characters like badass but mind blown but like confu- uh, dirge uh-huh. right like what's what's up with dirge what are our thoughts on dirge i never really liked him because i found him to be too op 
Like, he's a character that is indestructible, and he sucks Obi-Wan in. He's, like, this weird life form, but I guess he is some sort of artificial intelligence. But he is a character that, as I work my way through Legends, is a character that is around for quite some time. So it, 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 oh, really? yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if he is like a some sort of AI-ish type character. I haven't gotten that far. The only type of exposure I had to him is with the Boba Fett miniseries. And I think he makes it to the original trilogy time. And I think that story takes place... I don't know when it takes place in the Legend timeline, if it takes place before or after his appearance here. But I do know that he is around in Legend and other things. But it's, to me, yeah, I didn't really care for him because it was like too OP. I couldn't wrap my... Again, applying the rules of Star Wars to a out-of-the-box, <laughs> you know, not to be taken serious thing. You know, I just thought it was like it's too OP. But yeah, so, yeah. you know, I come around to him because I know that he has other stories and legends and I'm waiting to see it. But yeah, that was my first impressions. And as I got in, you know, older and I watch it more, I just turn off my brain because I know that he quote unquote dies in the show. Well, you, you, you think mm -hmm. about it, you see the yeah. him fly away. So it's left open to interpretation, but hey. Yeah. Uh, ben, your thoughts on Dirge? Well, Dirge is not my favorite and I'll always be very honest with yeah. it um, i i don't particularly care for his design to be completely transparent i know a lot of people are very excited that he's coming back to canon through the comics and i'm really happy for them like that's that's super great i hope he's not actually still made of like malignant laffy taffy that would be great <laughs> for me uh yeah it's it's a very kind of like an evil miyazaki creature thing which is great but doesn't quite fit into the the rest of the tone of star wars all the time for me personally so not my favorite addition to this series i do think the series gets better as it progresses uh but early on it seems to me like they just needed kind of a big bad and at the time they couldn't really have people fighting dooku because obviously dooku has to come back later in the movie so we can't have a lot of fights here yeah. we didn't really have grievous to play around with at the time so they just needed some big bad for obi-wan to sling a lightsaber at for a couple three minute episodes hey i mean obi-wan's can swing his lightsaber anywhere anytime <laughs> at anything and i i'm down so since you brought that one up what is your favorite singular you can't pick multiple but what is your favorite obi-wan kenobi moment in the show uh, probably when he's uh soaking wet after coming out of dirge that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie like just uh yeah i mean his yeah hair soaking wet he's like just stripping and he's just <laughs> he's like sour about it but he's like still has that like kind of sense of like i did it and it's like fuck yeah you did <laughs> see my favorite is and we've already talked about it but who cares i really love that obi-wan in the trenches scene uh just restless and kind of the boredom of the clone wars for the jedi who like cool they can go out and lead everyone and swing a lightsaber but at the end of the day the clones are pretty competent so there's a lot of just sitting around and waiting uh, with him and anakin you mean mm -hmm. yeah that's like it's yeah. even just before I love their we banter. get anakin in and the dialogue kicks in because the banter is really fun yeah. and it's also towards i'm right that's that's towards the later half of the series right it is yeah 
So once they come back and they're starting to use the Revenge of the Sith designs, and I think there's some more notes because like the the battle droids start to get quippy. Feels like there was kind of some notes from Lucasfilm be like, so this is the tone of Revenge. So we're gonna get yeah. a little joke here, and everything brightens up. They also are going from like much longer episodes for those last four episodes. So it starts to become more of a traditional cartoon with more dialogue yeah. and stuff. That's probably an influence on it as well. It's it's just a great little moment between those two. That's great. But I just really enjoyed just the, the quiet restlessness of that moment before the evening dialogue actually kicks in. I think it's a really special little Star Wars moment that we don't really get. Star Wars doesn't get quiet very often. Yeah. Mine would have to be towards the end of volume two where they are with these this tribe and Obi-Wan is talking mm-hmm. to Anakin yeah. and he's enjoying every moment that Anakin is going through. Like you can tell it in his face that he's just enjoying you know, so that that would be my moment. So Oh awesome. And uh one thing I did want to note too, speaking of volume two. Uh, at least I think it was volume two, um, is uh, the initial color scheme of Anakin's uh, starfighter or Jedi starfighter uh, is, mm-hmm. is like resembles, or I should say Ahsoka's color scheme resembles that of Anakin's starfighter. Uh, you have like the blue, white, it's... and then orange. Also, I think... Earlier in the series, I'm gonna have to pull it up now to be certain, but it's got a lot of design similarities to his pod racer mm-hmm. and the blue and silver on it. And I thought that was a really fun. Oh touch. yeah! Now that you, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and now that you mentioned that too, uh, totally. Uh, so, all right, now some of my and i loved they did a nod to this in season seven of the clone wars in a way a nod in a way um but one of and i think this is a moment that i love that ben hates uh which is mace windu just fucking going ham on these super battle droids just like fucking ripping them to shreds. <laughs> and it's so fucking cool. Like, it's just like, this is when I think of Mace Windu, this is one of my like favorite moments of me. Waste, Waste Mindu. No, Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can speak. I'm, I'm good at words today. Am I correct in that analysis? Yeah, to, yeah. to be fair, we've not actually talked about this episode. We try not to talk about them before we record. Uh, it's funny that that. <laughs> is what they would think uh uh yeah not a big fan of that episode myself uh i think the animation on the boy on the hill is really cute it's really charming i like that animation uh i I don't particularly care for that episode because it's doing that super stylized thing of whatever the ship is it's basically just like ground pounding the earth and then making shockwaves i don't particularly care for that that's not yeah no that is whatever Um, but i'm talking like just fucking fight oh don't get me wrong had i seen this even at like 13 or 14 i would have liked this because i still liked mace windu at that point because he hadn't this was pre yeah this is pre-citizen yeah everything is like pre-citizen and then after citizen when it comes to mace windu for me so like at this point couldn't care less about the man throw him out a window twice (laughs) uh at the time i would have been really excited for it yeah one of the most common fan theories or perspectives that i hear is one of the better ways to look at that episode is 
is that episode is being toyed it's being told from the boy's perspective. That's why everything's so exaggerated and big oh, and extreme. Like so he's witnessing Ooh. this and it's basically his perspective because when you're a kid everything is so exaggerated. Mm. That Okay, rules. I like that. That's really cute. Yeah. Cool. I, I can get on board with that. And another episode I would like to bring up is we were talking before about a lot of first I believe this is the first appearance of Ilum. Yes. Yes. I oh. believe it's the first on screen appearance. Fuck yeah. yeah, it is. Even even in the comics or books, I believe it predates that or whatever. And this was before this was oh, before wow. Kyber Crystals. Kyber Crystals didn't come around till later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, yeah, that that's another thing that stands out that is so essential to modern day dollars canon. So yeah. Oh, I also want to shout out the animation of that episode of Luminar and Barris is really <sighs> beautiful. Yes. As, they have such great character designs anyways, and just the extreme caricature of Gendy's art style and the way that they are animated on screen. That's a really visually sumptuous episode. Yeah, I think that is my favorite story arc from volume one. And I'm disqualifying the Anakin Ventress fight because obviously, but yeah, this would be my first. <laughs> yeah, it's just not yeah, fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the philosophy parts of it. I like how beautiful it looks. I, I do like Snow funny Padme that I, I like that <laughs> and I like the humor that she has with C-3PO with the coat she, she uses her coat as yep. a de- decoy and to <laughs> get rid of one of them and then she thinks and then she tells C-3PO to go fetch her coat to try to kill the other one and of course you have the Yoda with uh Tico I can't pronounce his name um Captain Tico Tico uh that mind control and stuff like that. So, oh, Captain Tycho, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that that would be my favorite. Not counting the Anakin adventures because that's not fair. Yeah, yeah, that's Valid. that's a really good one too. Let's let's talk about that for just a split second. How do we feel about the show's handling of Padme's design? Because I think it it could be a two edged sword in some ways. I don't think it's necessarily over the top uh, to the point of it being denigrating. It is a little more pinup than any of the other characters in the show uh, i think it's a it's a little more of a sexualized view of a star wars character and oh. i'm using that fairly lightly right like lightly but it is a little more pinup than what we usually have female characters portrayed in star wars yeah i don't want to try to defend anything but i and i feel like this is kind of lame to say but it is a product of its time early yeah. Arch, yeah. Uh, you know so yeah, that's uh, what I I don't want it to come across as like I'm judging it as thing bad. It's just thing exists, and it's kind of interesting to point that well, out. That like I mean, it's always been an issue for Padme, even with Episode Two. You know, with the battle scene mm-hmm. and stuff like that, it's unfortunately trickled trickled over to the animation because this is after Attack of the Clones. It says like as soon as Natalie Portman became out of age, Lucasfilm was like, okay, we're just going to use this. So and unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was a product of its time, and it carried that over. Because when you think of Panama of Attack of the Clones, you don't think of her beautiful outfit. You know, her legs. You don't think of her on the boo. Unfortunately, a lot of mm-hmm. people think of the her battle outfit from. Uh, genosis and that that's unfair to her yeah, yeah i think yeah that's very true yeah i uh yeah a lot of mixed uh feelings uh it's this weird dichotomy of like she's quick thinking she's great with a blaster very smart like knows how to obviously handle fucking 
wartime situations. At the same time, it's like very for a cartoon, hypersexualized. Totally. Uh so yeah. I don't know. And it, it's also unfortunate that we only get the one story with her. We didn't see too much of her in volume two. I mean, obviously yeah. you had her scenes with Anakin or whatever, but there was they did they could have put some scene in her you know, trying to get out and battle the droids or whatever, but you just have the one scene where she's trying to vac the building or whatever, and she was kind of pushed aside. You know, again, not trying to justify the product of the time, but that was how Panami was treated, was pushed aside at that era, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It wasn't until the Clone Wars and obviously E.K. Johnson books that she has gotten a little bit more justice. And it really sucks because Sorry for ranting here, but I really love Padme. And, you know, the her, the first film, Phantom Menace, in my opinion, is her film. Because it's her struggle that you are going through. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. she is such an important character. And then you have Attack the Clone. She's not as high up, but she's a lot. And then she, she goes out. I just love her to death and really wish she would have gotten more. It, it's really unfortunate that they felt like they had to kill her instead of having her survive a little bit after Revenge of the Sith with Leia. But yeah, I, I love Padme, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think uh, it's, we really want to make sure that we double down on that shout out for E.K. Johnston, who has Hello. been at just the forefront of really doing something with that character. Yeah. Because I know for so many, I, I don't want to speak for people, right? But I know from firsthand experience of knowing other fans that a lot of girls, especially growing up like that's the female character and have this really strong attachment to Padme and the unfortunate fact of the matter uh, is that they don't really utilize that character very well in the prequels If once you get past Attack of the Clones honestly she's basically written out of Revenge of the Sith she does little more than kind of like stand and look confused for the majority of that movie uh, yeah. and then in this like she gets her one episode where they get to put her in like the cute snow bunny outfit and then any other time you see her she's kind of just like has a pouty bottom lip and then just stands looking sad and betitted uh which is definitely of that era and kind of lucasfilm's approach to the character at the time uh it's really nice to see how far even just a couple years until the clone wars changed the view of that character too like clearly somebody was really leading the way at lucasfilm with trying to give that character a little more personality than she wears beautiful outfits and stands and looks pretty. My, right. I, I would like to put this energy out there, but my personal hope for Queen's Hope, no pun intended, is for them to re-canalize the deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith with her forming yes. the basis of the Rebel Alliance. Yes. Yes. Please. Yes. Please, please. That's so... I'm... Okay. And here is our first... Uh, as Ben would say, ADD or ADHD kind of <laughs> tracked off. Um, I have oh, so many thoughts and things to say about those deleted scenes. Um, I think I I understand the reasons and the fact that you know, with Revenge of the Sith, the fo- like George. Th- thought the focus should be more on Anakin's kind of emotional attachment uh, and his more his like emotional reactions rather than his response to situations Um, being at the forefront of the movie and sort of his Anakin's downfall. But I think the movie in my mind could be 
or could have been stronger had it included those del- that storyline of those deleted scenes. I think we were missing um, a, a huge piece of not just Padme, because you know, as you mentioned, like Phantom Menace really is kind of almost her movie in a sense. Like you know, to be I. I'd have to, you know, I haven't watched Phantom Menace in a while, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> we're well over an hour before being introduced, or maybe not. We're around an hour being introduced to Anakin, right? So we're kind of centered. It's about that, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of centered mostly, you know, the queen sends these two Jedi. Uh, they're on, they get to Naboo, they got to reach the queen. Then they talk to the queen, and then the queen decides, let's get the fuck out of here and go to Coruscant. Um, so very much, you know, like it's her movie, Phantom Menaces. And then, you know, we have her being a fucking strong, badass senator and, um, you know, insert joke about aggressive negotiations here in Attack of the Clones. Uh, and then totally sidelined. You had Natalie fucking Portman, uh, who, uh, great actress. And you're like... You know, this is 2005. Well, they probably filmed 2003, 2004. You know, still fucking uh, amazing. You had this whole storyline, which did include Anakin, too, because there is a deleted scene or two where, you know, Anakin's like just kind of like pounding around with fucking Palpatine or, uh, well, yeah, fucking Palpatine. Um, and, you know, we've got some. Uh, trouble in paradise between the two of them and um you know all of a sudden at the end of revenge of the sith you know you have uh this uh bail organa on tantive four yes i still refer to it as tantive um out of nowhere almost like willing to protect you know there's a few senators who you know blah 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 and blah you know it's like well where the fuck did that come from out of nowhere in Mm -hmm. like the last quarter of the movie Another th- I don't know. So talk talk about Iran. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, one last thing I would like <laughs> to add about that is another important thing that those deleted scenes do is they give depth to the divide between Anakin and Padme because instead of that yeah. small mm-hmm. scene where Padme's like, you ever think we're on the wrong side, there's actually more to it than that about their political yeah. ideology. So it's not just that brief moment. It's not a lovey-dovey paradise thing, but Padme's starting to see, okay, some Things not right. She's starting to see everything, and she's trying to talk to Anakin. She can feel exactly. it exactly in the Force, I think, and, as well. And Anakin is so blind to Palpatine and being loyal to it. Like it, so it doesn't only hurt her character, but it ultimately, ultimately undermines Lucas's focus of the film and Anakin's story. So it, yes. it, it's, it, it's not just so. Yeah, I I just love those deleted scenes, and like I said, bringing it back around full circle. I hope they make them canon again with Queen's Hope because that book is so full. You know, it could be like an epilogue or something. I would love that. Yeah, exactly. Like you know the the whole there's some deleted scenes that just kind of you know thank God they were deleted almost like the whole flooding of the tunnel sequence or uh, Shakti's death which the, both know, of them <laughs> yeah right both of them uh so, so which i think was really they were only filmed because of in a way uh star wars clone wars partially 
Um, but, um, you know, I've always thought that uh, they, like, I when I think of Revenge of the Sith, I would think, like, fucking yeah, like, let's make one super cut and include those deleted scenes. Um, but we did get quite sidelined. Uh, <laughs> I'm good at that, too, so you're not alone. That's that is the tone of this show is if yeah. we don't go off on a tangent, then we weren't paying who the hell attention. are we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which brings us, uh, we'll circle through or transition through Shakti's death with General mm-hmm. Grievous's introduction in Star Wars Clone Wars, uh, which is we get kind of like an alien esque, and I'm using that term very loosely, uh, introduction to General Grievous. Uh, during this like um in super intense like battle scene it's like a bunch of jedi a couple padawan uh all these clones are dying and uh they're surrounded by super battle droids and all this other shit and uh you know for some reason kia d is the one giving these jedi hope which makes no fucking sense when you think about it because he's literally the most hopeless human being or alien or Jedi ever. Humanoid. Yes. Humanoid. Thank you. Uh, oh, the worst. Yeah. Literally the worst Jedi. Uh, he's, he, he's a runner up, but he's, he's pretty bad. Who do you think's the worst? Mace Windu. I'm still bitter and I'll die bitter. It's okay. <laughs> it is okay. Like, Kitty is not that much. He's not better. I'll tell you that. Like they're, they're, uh, they're hand in hand and just Jedi dickery. You're not wrong there. Uh, so yeah. So th- then we're introduced to General Grievous, who mm-hmm. at this point in the show has a more of a quote unquote normal sounding voice, um, which this show does explain how General Grievous has that cough and raspy voice, larynx problem vocal cord issues uh thoughts on either the introduction of general grievous or his storyline or whatever or this particular sequence i mean i think it's going to be no surprise that he's probably more successfully used in this than he was in revenge of the sith because there's almost no excuse for him to exist in revenge of the sith (laughs) yeah to be completely and totally blunt about it yes He's very much like video gamey. Yeah. Like he is a superfluous, like mid tier boss. And like, it's fun. It's a, it's been with the series for so long now that it's just part of it. But if you try to look at it and be fairly mercenary, it's like, yeah, he didn't really serve the, the story that much. I know that George would come in and would tell us that like, no, it's a foreshadowing of Anakin. He's going to become more machine than man. And you're like, no, you just needed something for Obi-Wan to fight in the second act. And that's okay, but there's not a lot of characterization with that. It could have easily have been Dooku, and you had Christopher Lee, who's a fantastic actor. But whatever. To um, yeah. to to expand upon it, he serves the purpose of leading the army of the Confederacy, where Dooku is more like the political leader. He's like the face of it, and you have all these different parts. Like you have the Techno Union, you have the Binky Clan, mm-hmm. you you have all these different pe- people who serve different purposes, but you didn't really have no face to lead the army. Where General Grievous is that face to lead the army. That's 
how I look at it. Um, when it comes to his characterization in this series, I thought I also think it does a great job of getting him from his introduction to uh, Revenge of the Sith. I don't want to say better than the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars he's basically the same character. But if you look at his character in this series, he's a badass. He's really good. He's terrifying the Jedi, and then he has this Rundu. Rundu. He has this instant with Mace Windu <laughs> that changes him. It makes him cough. And Dooku also has a talk with him of, don't be afraid. If you don't have the advantage, don't be afraid to run. It because you're supposed mm-hmm. to scam that you use that to your advantage. So I feel like the character progression of the General Grievous from this series is arguably better than the Clone Wars because there isn't that much of a character development from the Clone Wars into Revenge of the Sith. So I don't know if you guys agree with that, but for me, yeah, I think it's a better projection because it makes sense. He had his chest collapsed by Mace Windu. He's not a hundred percent. He he's at a disadvantage being cornered into the ship. So you know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that the scene that makes just sense. how terrified characters like Kiedu Mundi and Shakti and Ala Sakura, uh, and then poor Padawan who is nameless, and then the one who isn't Shaggy. Uh, I love that the build up to that scene with where he actually comes in and starts laying waste to people it's really great it's also another great instance of the show taking a moment to kind of breathe and really like uh savor the the build-up of that moment in a show that is so fast-paced it's also aided by those episodes getting the opportunity to be a little bit longer but that's yeah. it's a great moment it's a great introduction of grievous it's probably my favorite grievous moment i don't think I can think of another one I like better than that. Well, well, what about like in the volume two? There's a lot of scenes in volume two that I, I really like. Another thing I like about this show is it is very serious, yes, but there are moments of just humor. Like John Grievous running down the side of the building and the clone troopers running down oh, and putting is... a rocket thing. Or when Ventress is taking out the clone troopers and the clone troopers just hitting his head and flying into the water. Like this is, it's just, it's just beautiful drop blend of being serious and then there's this moment that is just so hilarious that that oh yeah there's there's nothing better than that just the shot of grievous poking his head down perfectly into frame into the window of palpatine's office is oh my god yes (laughs) and you also at least i do gotta love palpatine playing the part of the old senile senile man he's just sitting there he's like oh "Oh, what was that noise he's like oh it's nothing and then he tries to talk to grievous you know he's playing a part but it's really delightful that he's (laughs) playing the part oh it's so great it's such a fun little i'd like to speak to your manager moment Yeah, right. The ridiculous, because <laughs> it is definitely built off of his costume design for Revenge of the Sith, but just the yeah. way they animate it. So it's just this insane ruffled blouse that he's wearing underneath this coat is just, it's amazing. It's chef's kiss. So but... should we call him Quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it if you if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, it just it's just so delightful, and then you also have the moment, and I guess we're more moving on to Palpatine here, where you know he's playing this naive man, and when Grievous gets down to the safety bunker, and he's playing the shock 
part of being like, how did Grievous get down here? And then you see him going to the shadows. And this was back when they were being really coy with Palpatine. They weren't being open about it. Like, a lot of people already put two and two together, but they were still trying to put it pretty subtle. But you see him going to the shadow, and you see the shock face under this more serious face. Mm-hmm. So It's really fun. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so we're pretty much yeah, kind of rounding out the end here a bit. Uh, well, do you want to let everyone kind of go through if anyone has any favorite moments that we just didn't get a chance to talk about or anything you just want to shout out? I would like to drop a little bit of trivia that I have to thank Blast Points for because I remember listening to this episode. But if you remember in Volume 1, when you see this Jedi that looks like a wolf, fighting Mm -hmm. that was actually the winner of a contest for people to pick which character they wanted into the show and it was one of three and the other two contestants are the people who are with shaka t in volume two oh wow that's cool that would make sense it was such a fun design that i was just thinking oh okay cool so like you know they saw the original cut of a new hope and they just wanted to put the the Wolfman, who has an actual name, but that's what I still know him as, uh, and to Star Wars in a different way. That's great. I love that. That is cool. Uh, how about you, Ben? Oh God, uh, I was gonna let you. Oh, you know what? I do kind of <laughs> want to talk about this very, very briefly because I think since we were talking about something being of its time, where like you can see it from a more like modern take, and then try not to necessarily overly harshly judge it. That whole last story beat with Anakin and the Avatar Native Americans is such a weird choice for Star Wars. In my opinion, it is so, so odd. I don't think so. Like the, see, and, and maybe other people don't have any kind of weird bristle on it, but I'm like, huh, I don't know why we had to necessarily incorporate such like heavily like First Nation imagery into like the strange meerkat people. Like we could have maybe pulled something else. Okay, Maybe that's not. valid. Totally valid, for sure. I, um, well, so my thing with, uh, like the end of, I, see, I loved, uh, that whole, I love that storyline because I, to me, it, um, that's like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, we see, like, the last bit of humanity of Anakin there to me, like um, it, it even foreshadows uh, him becoming Darth Vader even there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it, it, there's a whole lot of, um, and the, see, the thing is like uh, the te- you know, it helped to serve, as Obi-Wan says, the spiritual aspect of the um, the trials. And so even though Anakin is able to uh, pass it, quote-unquote, um, he, we, we, it was just nice to see, I, I, it's hard to explain because, like, first off, my brain is, like, trying to shut off, but also... <laughs> Uh, because there's just so much like the fact that he he does even though he does pass the spirituality test you know 
uh, he he still like it doesn't he doesn't take that knowledge and he doesn't continue to use it um, and it contributes to his downfall like that um, not that I'm trying to say like you know is because he didn't rely so much on the religion of the force or the Jedi and like you know I couldn't care less if someone's you know a part of whatever religion or spiritual or atheist or agnostic it's just that choice to do that story and focus on that element uh is very interesting for anakin because it's really the only time we ever see that in star to my knowledge really in anything star wars related with anakin um you know he's very much rightly so in a sense focused on his emotions right uh anger hatred or his kind of um uh you know in- anxiousness or like teen angstiness um or his fucking like just uh i can't even think of the word but just like his chosen oneness right and when we see him trying to combat this and help these people out like he does it but then like fucking it really doesn't come to anything in episode three or the rest of his life really until arguably like his last breath hopefully that made some kind of sense see for me i think it was pretty clear that he didn't quote unquote pass it because the spiritual test isn't really a test it's more of a experience that you go through and you witness and it's okay what are you going to do with that knowledge we see it with luke we see it with Yoda. The, the spiritual quote-unquote test isn't really a test whether it's right or wrong. It's a, looking into yourself, looking at yourself, being given this perspective. It's okay, what are you going to do with this knowledge? Are you going to learn from it and be the better person? Or are you just going to ignore this lesson? So I thought it was quite clear that he didn't learn the lesson and didn't quote-unquote pass the test again it's not really a pass fail test but right. we, we see it where before he goes and runs off to save the palpatine you see him give in to his anger and he didn't learn the lessons of the cave just like his son would decades later so yeah it i, I thought I, I took the opposite thing where he didn't quite learn from it more than pass or fail type thing totally fair um I don't know, Ben. R- response. Um, I mean, I I think what the show wanted to do, uh, is something that was done better in the Mortis arc, with maybe okay, exploring fair, yeah. the the inner workings of Anakin Skywalker, yeah. uh, and was done in a way that didn't have to so like heavily poach from existing real world religious practices. Uh, so yeah, yeah that, it's you know it's not my favorite part of it, but it's okay. It's not for me. Uh. Didn't lose any sleep over it. It's just one of those. It's like, yeah, this right. is not my favorite part of it. This is it's there's there's a lot of visual elements here that are just odd and a little dances with wolves for my taste. But that's just me. for that particular Fair. part. If I may play devil's advocate here, you're also looking at something that was what two three minutes maybe compared to something that was explored for three four episodes with the motorcycle. So yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it, it 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 you know everything has a beginning you know and I, i'm sure probably who's to say what david 
Dave's inspiration was for the mortis arc, but I wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised if you looked at the series. And there, there's so much to still talk about this show, but another thing I really like is in the early days of the Clone Wars, you could fit both of these two existing continuities. Oh, you still it. can. Well, not the end. I Yeah, yeah the end yeah. is uh, a little bit wonky, but I it I I don't know. I still think you it I mean it's space it's a space traveling movie. I think you could still I don't know, but that's just me. I yeah. But but yeah, that, that because it and you also have elements from it that haven't really been explored yet in canon that I would definitely would like to see. Like yeah. I would like to see the battle of Coruscant be told in a canon perspective. I mean, obviously you can still watch this, but you have the canon perspective. I would like to see the introduction of Asajj Ventress in canon, or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. I would love a the Clone Wars the early months. Uh, you know, see mini series. I think it would be nice to see, and it it would be type type kind of tough to sell to the fandom because a lot of the people in the fandom don't like that young Anakin Skywalker. But I I would love a mini series to explore that first six months because I do believe the Clone Wars picks up what six months into the Clone Wars itself. I believe so. Yeah, so. I think because you have to have enough time for Anakin to become a knight and stuff like that. But yeah, you 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 mm-hmm. could fit like volume one right into canon without any issues. Yeah, totally. Um, speaking of the Battle of Coruscant, I do love this. Like, I do love how this connected the series right into the movie, and it helped make the movie going experience easier for me to follow along with. Um, and uh just touching on the connectivity between star wars clone wars and then the clone wars um i loved how kind of i i loved the um borrowing is one word for it but uh the of the character designs of a lot of the artwork like um you can i mean you could totally tell the crew uh paid its dues with in the clone wars to clone wars um which you know i love like barris afi and um jedi luminara yes uh (laughs) um you know it among many other things even the the whole moncala battle got uh retooled but they still kept a lot of it. it it's just um, like that's the kind of stuff I fucking love. The interconnectivity between different, uh, not just like the different cartoons, but also just like, you know, I remember watching Rogue One and like, oh, fuck, yeah, there's Chopper and there's the ghost. <laughs> and like, you know, it's so cool how uh, the creative teams were visiting each other's sets and stuff or you know if they were at happened to be at lucasfilm uh one time it was like oh hey what's up how's it going you know like walking by their offices or whatever like that's the fucking shit i love and to this day if you're watching a marathon of star wars or if you just want to do a marathon of the of uh the prequel trilogy you can definitely insert this right there and it fits and 
I love yes. the Clone Wars, don't get me wrong, but I think this fits better if you're doing a marathon because you do pick up with an Anakin so close to Attack of Clones and you go right into, yes, I know the Clone Wars has done it with the Siege of Mandalore, but that's Ahsoka's story. With, with Clone Wars, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan and you follow that directly. So, because yeah. I know I, I'm a little bit turned off right now in the movies because of trust, but it, you know, I you know I thought about hey, if I do a marathon, just put Clone Wars. Yeah, it's not quote unquote canon or whatever, but it connects the story and it's enjoyable, and you have the mm-hmm. nostalgia thing about it. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about this this series is it is short. It doesn't have the character depth and exploration that the Clone Wars does have, but it you know it's that piece that fits in there. That if you're looking for something to explore, explore the Clone Wars itself during the period, during a marathon, this is so perfect for it. So, and, and I remember watching it when I was younger, it, it, to, in my opinion, it's too short. I, I would have loved more episodes of this. Series. Oh yeah, totally. I agree. And, um, you, you do know, I, I believe this is true for it, but this series was created. I mean, obviously a lot of things were, but this series was created to sell toys. In between mm-hmm. the uh, Attack oh, yeah. of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, if people don't know that, so yeah, like is it had a whole line, and I remember the action figures, like I remember some of them like very clearly, and it helped keep the the interest in Star Wars stoked a little bit for yeah. younger demographics between movies, because three years is a long time when you know you're eight, and then the next time that there's going to be another movie, you're going to be eleven. That's a huge span of time uh so it, it gave you something to to keep seeing star wars and that's always fun and exciting for me if i was looking yeah. at something to try to keep people interested in star wars at this point in time and again i don't know the day-to-day basis but i would have created obviously you had the books but i would have created a series of video games but the video game market wasn't as big as it is now if they wanted to keep people mm-hmm. interested especially that demographic that they were uh targeting during that um that time period so yeah it's just kind of strange that they didn't look into because you had the clone wars video game but that was pretty much the only thing you had to revenge the sith video game but outside of that if you wanted to try to satiate your appetite for star wars between the two films you had this series you had the clone wars book series and comics which is a smaller marketplace than you would target with video games and then you had uh the, the one video game so yeah, yeah, that's a good point too, uh, because you know, like I, I mentioned, I brought up earlier, the Republic Commando game didn't come out until uh, I think like two thousand five or two thousand six ish, um, and then you know that's when Kotor came out, uh, Force Unleashed didn't come out until like twenty ten, I think around there, give or take. You know, it, yeah, a lot of of the more some of the more current popular video games didn't come out until after or uh around the same time as revenge of the sith for sure um uh any last uh thoughts or things we didn't uh touch on uh worth mentioning now if you haven't watched it do yourself a favor and watch it. There's a lot of good oh, in yeah. it. It's really enjoyable. And don't forget to turn your brain off. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, ben? Yeah, I mean, for as short as that is, like, you can watch an entire series in a little bit over two hours. Like, it's absolutely worth it. The animation is gorgeous. 
So it's it's so fun to look at. You're going to get to see so many different character designs and then all kinds of stuff that we didn't even get a chance to talk about here. So you're missing out yeah. on like Stacey 10 in a ridiculous helmet. That makes no sense, but it's there. <laughs> like there's some great stuff. The in introduction of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the clone troop army. Um, this was the first time you yeah. seen yes. it. Yes. Oh, uh, go ahead. Real quick. Speaking of, uh, I knew there was something I wanted to mention. Uh, Speaking of action figures, um, I still debate myself regularly, or not regularly, well, sometime, somewhat regularly about whether or not to go on eBay and buy some of the Star Wars Clone Wars figures. But uh, for part of the 50th uh, anniversary for Lucasfilm, uh, we've got four character and character designs um being introduced uh or inspired from this series i'm pretty sure uh if not this series then just the the card wars but they're very similar they're the same card backs that's Uh, yeah the card backs uh the designs from the clone wars but the card backs from star wars clone wars Mm -hmm. um we got anakin clone war armor kenobi uh, we've got Echo. the Clone Wars Echo, and then mm-hmm. who's the other? Uh, some pilot. Ooh, I, I almost said Wolf. It's not Wolf. Hawk. Yes. So uh, that's cool. Looking forward to getting uh, Echo. Is who I'm gonna get. They're, they're gonna be super fun. May or may not get Commando Kenobi. I'll get them all, but you know, that, that <laughs> is that's the life that I live. Yeah. Self punishing. Um. I think that's it. I think so too. <laughs> cool beans. Well, this was a great, great voyage, uh, which, you know, now has ended. Thank you for choosing the Katana cast. We hope you enjoyed your trip. Be sure to follow and subscribe to our feed to stay up to date on all our latest episodes. You can find us wherever podcasts can be found and listened to. You can follow us on Twitter at the Katana Cast. As always, here's my weekly bit. Please, for the love of God, our oh God. email inbox is empty. <laughs> I'm crying. It's crying. We want, we meaning me, I want your emails. Please email me and slash the podcast at katanacast at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to follow our personals, you can follow me. I'm at igallagher321 on Twitter. You can follow if you want some, uh, if you're bored, and if you're interested in very thirsty Mar- Marshall Mathers tweets, uh, you can follow uh, our co-pilot Maria at Blurred Girl Jedi, and you can follow Ben Ware. You can find me on Twitter at Ben is the worst. Uh, I'm also going to make sure that we shout out our fundraiser, which is done in conjunction with Sisters with Sabres, which is called There Are More of Us, which helps raise funds for the Loveland Foundation, which is a nonprofit that provides access to mental health services to communities of color, specifically women, both cis and trans, who may not have access to mental health services otherwise. If you can swing through through our show nuts or show nuts, show notes. Oh, we got some nuts. Or on any of our Twitter profiles right now, you should see that at the very top. 
If you can spare us $5, $10, anything helps as we get to the very end of our $10,000 goal. Thank you so very much. And you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geekill. You can find my podcast everywhere by searching I Rebel Destiny. The name of my podcast is I Rebel, a Star Wars a Star Wars podcast. And our next episode to be dropped around the time this episode is dropped or after is going to be a Mandalorian Season 2 episode with Katana's cast very, very own area. area. So yeah. I'm fucking yeah. to getting that out. And yeah, so... Don't forget the word of the day and the episode. Orgasmic. <laughs> and with that, absolutely. Perfect note to end this. It's always good to end on an orgasm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You've, you've got you to gotta hit your ending tag, Era. <laughs> hmm? I did. No, you didn't. You didn't hit the end tag. We've done our social. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to keep this in, aren't you, too? Please do. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Again, thanks for choosing the Katana cast for your cruise. We appreciate your continuing support. And as always, may the force be with you. Boom. Boom.